Yeah, I hope you guys made it through that one. I told Rhonda that's going to be a hard one to get through. If you had a mama like that, you need to praise the Lord. If you didn't, you still need to praise the Lord. If you're a mama like that now, I praise the Lord for you. If you're not, I'm going to tell you today how you can be that kind of a mama. Okay? Because that kind of a mama passes a legacy down. If you're still breathing, you're still kicking, you're still going about your business, then it's not too late to be a mama just like that one right there. All right? All right. Yeah, I knew that. I told Rhonda, I said, I, I don't know if we're going to get through that one or not. <laughs> so we'll blame her for that song, okay? <laughs> uh, goodness. Clarence, will you pray for us, please, as we start? Please. Thank you, Clarence. Title of the message is A Rose or a Tarnation. Hmm. Luke 1. We'll be in Luke 1. There you go. 26 through 38. We're going to look at uh, whether or not you want to be a rose or you want to be just a carnation today. The guy went to the flower shop close to Mother's Day. And he said, what can I get for about $3? And the owner of the flower shop said, well, you can get a dozen carnations or you can get one rose. He goes, well, that, why is that? that? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, a dozen or just one? What's the thinking behind that? And the store owner told him, he said, you know, a, a, a carnation. He said, a carnation has just a very little scent to it. And, and, and the scent won't last very long. 
And, and, and the scent just kind of just goes away after a few moments and you can't even smell it anymore. It's kind of one of our cheaper flowers, he would say. He said, but a rose is different. A rose is expensive. A ro- the scent of a rose lasts for a long time. I mean, you can smell that rose for days. And it says, when that rose is dead, you can crush up those leaves of the rose and make potpourri of it. And then that smell, that aroma, that impact will last for a long time. You see, a mother or a woman or even a man who rejects God in their life, who wants to be an ungodly person, who doesn't want anything to do with God, is very much like that carnation, if you would. Because you see, that person who rejects the Lord has just a little bit of an impact for just for a small moment. And yet that impact on the lives of those people don't last very long and they just kind of fade away. But the the impact of a rose is like a godly woman. A woman who wants God in their life. A woman who wants to live the Christian life. A, a rose is expensive. A woman is expensive. And that, and that the impact that this rose of a woman, of a mother has will last for a long time. For a real long time as they become potpourri, if you would. And they will have an impact on the lives of everyone around them for a tremendous long time. And the question I want to ask you today, are you a rose or are you a carnation? My mother, who's been gone 20 years, was a rose. Rhonda's gone 41 years. She was a rose. And my prayer today for everyone in here is that your mother was a rose or your mother is a rose. Or if you're a mother today, I pray that you will be a rose, a godly woman who who stands in the gap for her kids, a godly mother who loves on her kids, who is passing down a godly legacy to her kids. And like I said before, it's not too late to begin being a rose of a woman passing down a godly legacy. Today I want to look at just one of those kind of women. This woman, uh, you know all about her. Uh, This woman was by the name of Mary. Mary, the mother of the Messiah. And I want to look at her today. I'm going to pull five things from her life, from how she lived her life, that I believe just shouts that she was a godly mother. We know that she was, obviously. But I hope these five characteristics of a godly mother will hit you, that will you will understand why she is how she is. And I hope that every... Every mother in this room will have these five characteristics. That's my prayer for today. The first characteristic that made Mary a rose was that she was godly. That she was godly. Look at verse 26, 27, and 28. I want to throw that out to you. Let's read those here first of all and see what it says. Now in the sixth month, that sixth month means that that Elizabeth, her relative, has been pregnant for that long. So for the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph 
of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. We know that. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. We see in verse 26, it says that God sent his angel Gabriel to this little town of Nazareth. Nazareth was a very small town. Nazareth was a, as a, you might say, was a dead-end town. Nothing going on there, the, the Bible would tell us. 55 miles north of Jerusalem, and yet very, very small. The people that lived there apparently were despised people. The Jews didn't like them. The Romans didn't like them. There was just something about the group of folks that, that lived in Nazareth that just wasn't very popular. Uh, we know in John 1 in the New Testament, Nathaniel asked the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And that's what he was talking about. It had a reputation as a dead-end, no-name town that, that produced nothing good in society. And yet God, and yet God dispatched his angel Gabriel to that town. He dispatched that angel to go speak to this very young girl, maybe 13, 14, 15 years old, who was a believer, who was a believer in God. But she was a young girl that had no significance, just pretty much like her town. There was nothing special about her. There was nothing that shouted, hey, hey, this girl really deserves what's fixing to happen to her. Nothing was special about her, but yet God, but yet God knew her. And yet God knew her heart, which is even more important. No name town, nothing around, insignificant young teenage girl, and yet God still knew her, and God still knew her heart. You see, God, God does not look at mankind as man looks at man and woman. You see, man looks at the outer outside of a person, but God looks at the heart. For Samuel sixteen seven, God looks at the heart, and He saw something special in this heart of Mary, and He knew her, and He was willing to to do something great through her. You see, it's not where you live, it's not how significant you are, it's not not your claim to fame, it's not how big you are, how proud you are, how popular you are. You see, God sees you anyway, and he knows who you are and how you are, and he knows your heart. And that's what he's looking at. What's your heart? Mom, what's your heart? Mary, what was your heart look like? And then we keep reading down here, and we see that Mary was espoused or engaged to a carpenter by the name of Joseph. Uh, this engagement would be last for a year. This engagement said that they weren't married, but they were married. I, don't, I can't figure that one out. This engagement said there would be no, no uh, intimacy between the, between the couple. And if there was, the penalty for that would have been stoning to death. So we know that. We know if the engagement were to be broken off, that they literally had to go to court to get a divorce because of that. And yet they were not married, and yet they were married. And that's just the way they were. And you see, God figures out, and he knows 
Joseph. He knows Mary. And Joseph and God picks these two because they were godly people. You see, God wanted godly people to raise his son, don't you think? To raise him up to be the man that he needed to be. So I know without a shadow of a doubt, the first thing we see from Mary is she was a godly, godly woman. That's a new great characteristic. She knew God. She obeyed God. She was submissive to God. She wanted God's will in her life. And God could trust her. And I'm here to tell you today, there is no greater legacy that you could pass down as a, as a mother than the legacy of being a godly mother to your kids, to your grandkids, to all those folks that are around you. Mary sought the Lord constantly, we will find. Trusted the Lord fully. Loved the Lord consistently. What a great comment, commentary for this young lady. She was a godly woman. I think the second thing that we can pull from these verses about why she was a rose was that she was highly favored of God. She was highly favored. Hmm. Can you imagine? Just think about this for a second. You're minding your own business, doing your own thing, and all of a sudden an angel appears in front of you. And mind you, this angel, a nanosecond before he appears to you, had been in the very presence of God in the throne room of grace. That's how fast it could have happened. Bang, there, bang, here. And all of a sudden, he's standing in front of, of Mary. Mary, and he, and he tells her, Mary, you are highly favored of God. Huh? <laughs> Who, me? And you notice there, he didn't automatically say what's fixing to happen to Mary. I'm sure Mary was probably stunned at the fact that this angel was standing in front of her. This angel is speaking to her. So he didn't really give her the whole, the whole message at that point. But I'm sure he was trying to allow Mary to get her bearings, if you would, to understand what has just happened with him speaking to her. And he will tell her eventually what's going to happen. But he doesn't write off the bad. You see... Mary needs to understand, and you and I, we need to understand also that the Lord is near us all the time. Mary, you're highly favored. And then the last part of that verse says, the Lord is with you. Mary, you will not walk through this pregnancy alone. Mary, you will not have to deal with the struggles of life all alone. Mary, the hardships of this life, the burdens of this life, Mary, that you're going to experience within the next nine months and experience in the next 33 years, Mary, you will not have to do this all alone. And I think he's telling Mary that, and who else is he telling that to? He's telling that to you and I, is he not? I mean, we need to understand, and Mary needed to understand that God has been with us. In the past adventures of our life, the past struggles in our life, God has been with us. Mary, you need to understand that God is with you even as you speak today, Mary. Even as we struggle and try to understand what's going on in your life, Mary, God is with you. And Mary, God will be with you as you walk this walk that I've called you for. This plan that I've got for you, this perfect plan, Mary, I will be with you. 
have been, am, and will be with you no matter what. No matter what you deal with, Mary, I'll be with you, the Bible says. Do you believe that? I mean, I mean, Mary needed to learn it. You and I needed to learn it. And as life goes on and life gets difficult, do we really understand that you are favored by God and that God is with you no matter what? No matter what, the good, the bad, and the ugly, God is with you if you are a child of the king. Psalm 34, 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. He sees what's going on in your life. Psalm 34, 17 says this, The righteous cry, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all of their troubles. He hears and he delivers. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I'm sure mothers all over have felt some of these emotions that you've been all alone. I'm sure some of us dads have felt these emotions all alone. But isn't it so nice to know if God has made the promise that he will be with you no matter what through the thick and thins of life, that he sees what's going on in your life. He hears what's going on in your life. He delivers you from what's going on in your life. He saves you from what's going on in your life. And then the, probably the best thing is he is near to those who are hurting. That's a promise that he would give to Mary. That's a promise that he's given to you and I, that God is with us through thick and thin. Mary, remember that you are highly favored. Mary, remember that God is with you. Mary, remember when, the, when that young one cries. Remember, Mary, when that young one doesn't want to sleep. Remember, Mary, when, when motherhood is a struggle, that you are highly favored, Mary. You are highly favored, Mary, and, and all of us, and God is with you, no matter what you're dealing with. We serve an awesome God, do we not? He hadn't just left us hanging out there. I think the third characteristic we can see is in Matthew 20, uh, Luke 29 and 30. What made Mary a rose and not a carnation is that she was very humble, 29 and 30. But she was very perplexed at this statement that, that she's highly favored and that, and that God is with her. And she kept pondering what kind of salutation was this. And the angel said to her again, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. She was humble. She had humility. You see, Mary didn't understand what the Lord was telling her. Mary didn't think that she was anything special. Mary didn't think that she could do anything for, for a holy God. Mary was just this insignificant young girl. She wasn't proud. She wasn't conceited. She wasn't somebody. In her mind, she was just a, a young, shy young lady who was just living out life. What could she ever do for the Lord? Why would the creator of the universe say, you're special, Mary? You see, in her mind, her mind couldn't go there. She had such a humble heart. She had such humility. And because of that, God would bless her because of that. In James 4, 6, it says this, 
but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I believe Mary was that kind of a person. I believe Mary was very humble. Who, me, Lord? (laughs) You want to do this for me, Lord? I don't deserve this, Lord. And God just eats that stuff up, doesn't he? I mean, that is the kind of life that we all should be living here. A life of humility. A life that reminds us of how, how big and awesome God is. And how we're really not. A life that should remind us that we should be humble before the Lord. And be able to submit our lives to the Lord. She was puzzled. She pondered. She goes, ah, why me? And I think if it happened to anyone in this room, we would have had the same thoughts. Why me? Lord, why me? And then in verse 31 through 34, she gets the news. (laughs) She gets the news what's fixing to happen to her, to be the mother of the Messiah. And Angel Gabriel tells her, he said, you will conceive in your womb and you'll give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus and he will be great and he will be powerful and he will rule over the kingdom of Judah forever and forever. Mary, that is your lot in life. And of course she wonders, how can this be? Mary, this is the plan I have for you. This is your perfect plan, Mary, that I have. And Mary, being the humble person that she was, she says in verse, in verse 30, uh, uh, where is it? How can this be, verse 34, how can this be? How can this be for I am just a virgin? You know, sometimes, sometimes God expects us to trust in a miracle. Sometimes he wants us to look at the miraculous and say, God, I trust you anyway. How, how can this be? How can, how can this happen to me? And we see that in our lives. Or why is this happening to me? And sometimes he says, I just want you to trust me. Trust the miracle that I have coming for you, the miraculous. I want you to just depend on me during this time in your life, this season of your life, this struggle in your life. And sometimes just God says, I just want you to trust me. I want you to just trust me in the Lord. Trust with all your heart and all your understanding. And don't lean on your own self. Don't lean on your own thought process. But just trust me. You think God was wanting Mary just to trust him? Very much so. I don't understand what's happening here. And then in the next verses, the angel Gabriel will will tell Mary how that was going to happen. How she was going to have a child. How is this all going to fit together? What a story. Mary, I want you to trust me with this. And Mary, we know what she do. She humbly trusted the Lord in that. And then God gave her some encouragement in verse 37. And it's encouragement to us and encouragement to every mother here, I think. For it says, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. You see, God just wants us to trust him. God wants us to trust his faith, trust his power, trust his word. No matter what circumstance we come in in our lives, no matter what we feel about something, 
He said, I just want you to humbly trust me. Because I got a plan for your life, he would tell you. I want you to trust me. But, but God, I don't, I don't see God. I don't understand, God, why this cancer that I've got is a good thing. And God would tell you, trust me. I don't understand, God, why I'm struggling financially and I just can't seem to make ends meet right now. And God would tell you what? Trust me. God, I don't understand why my spouse or my loved one or my family member, you called them home and they're no longer with me and I'm kind of feeling kind of alone. How how is that a good plan, God? I don't get it. And God would say what? Trust me. I know what I'm doing. Trust me, I'm with you, Mary. Trust me, I'm with you, Rappahoe First Baptist Church. Trust me when life turns south. Trust me because I know what's going on. Because I'm near and I see and I hear and I deliver and I will save you from what's ever happening in your life. We are to humbly submit our lives to God. Mary did. We are humbly to serve Him. We are humbly to be obedient to Him. And let God take whatever is going on in our lives and use it for our good and for His glory. Fourth characteristic I see real quickly that made Mary a rose of a woman was that she was submissive. Submissive to the things of the Lord. Submissive to the things of the Lord. We read there in verse 38. Mary says, Behold the bond slave. That's her. That's her humility. I am your servant, Father. He said, she said, Behold the bond servant of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Her response was immediate. God, your will for me is my will for me. <laughs> God, whatever you want to do in my life, it's okay. <laughs> I will make it my will, my heart, my direction in life if that is what you want for me in this life. And you got to stop and think about it. That took a huge amount of trust in the Lord. I mean, we read that and we go, yeah, God, just do what you want to. And we move on past that. But see, you got to understand what Mary was saying when Mary said, this is your will for me and I submit to it and I will follow it. It wasn't an easy task for Mary to do that. You see, because Mary would be an unwed mother in a society that hated unwed mothers. An unwed mother would face the death penalty. If you were unwed and you were pregnant, the the penalty for that was stoning. And I can just think about Mary hearing that and that thought process going through your mind and, and, and Mary going, man, God, I don't get it. I don't understand this, God. But I trust you anyway because you're God. And you have a perfect plan for my life. Mary, as she thought through that one, she had to think about this one. What's what's Joseph going to say? 
What's Joseph going to say when he finds out that I'm with child? What's he going to say when he, in his mind, he thinks, I have been unfaithful to him? What's he going to do? Is he going to go tell on me? Is he going to get out the back door? She had to deal with that thought. But I see in her mind what she was, what she was thinking through. And God, if, if he leaves me because of this, I still trust you, God. I'll still trust you. See, that was no easy decision to say, God, your will is my will. She had to think through that. And then the biggest one of all was the last one. Knowing that, because she was pregnant, that she would probably lose her life over it. She would face stoning. I can't imagine a worse way to die than getting hit all over your body with big rocks being thrown at you. She had to deal with that thought knowing that if, if, if I'm okay with God's will in my life and it means I'm going to lose my life over that, God, I'm going to trust you anyway. And it just, that, that thought just went through me as I thought about even last week's message in those Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fellas where they said, you're going to die if you don't bow down. And what did he say? I, my God can deliver me if he chooses, but if not, I ain't going to bow. The same thought process must have gone through Mary. If I die because this is your will for me, God, I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to trust you. She was willing to trust God in spite of the circumstances that she faced. That is a person who is willing to submit to the Lord totally, completely with their life. That is a godly woman. Real quickly, a fifth characteristic that I almost missed. <laughs> I have to I'll be honest with you, I almost missed this one. And it is in uh, verses 46, 47, and 48. What made Mary a rose of a woman? And in verse 46, it says this, And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he had regard for my humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed or blessed. For the Almighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. I think the fifth characteristic of a godly woman, and Mary was a godly woman, was that she was thankful. And she chose to praise the Lord in spite of what could be coming down the road for her. I exalt you, Father. I praise you, Father, for what you have done. I am thankful, Father, that you have picked me to be the mother of the Messiah. I'm thankful that you have blessed me now. And because she was a rose of a mother, her scent would impact people forever and forever. 
That's why I know she was a rose of a mother. You have blessed me. I exalt you. I come to you with an attitude of gratitude because of who you are and what you've done for me. That, I believe, is a picture of a woman who understands that her strength, her life, and however she was going to live it would come from Holy God. And she was willing to submit her life to that. Mary was a godly woman because she sought the Lord all the time. Mary was highly favored because of her sweet, sweet spirit that she had. I believe Mary was humble because she expected none of this. Didn't look forward to any of this. But she was willing to accept it. Mary was submissive. God, your will is now my will. And whatever path in life you choose to take me, Mary would say, I'm going to go. Because I have faith in you and I trust in you. And you just told me you're going to be with me wherever I go. And then she wrapped it all up with a heart that says, thank you. Thank you for taking this nobody in life, this insignificant young girl from an insignificant town. Thank you for allowing me to do what you've asked me to do. Thank you for having me be blessed forever and forever. You see, I I think those are some things that Mary needed to pull from her life that we pulled from her. I believe, you know, we've talked about Mary and mothers, but it applies to all of us, I think, of how we live our life. Uh, How are we going to pass this generation, this legacy down to our kids and grandkids? We're still here. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to be people that are roses, that are not carnations, that, that the scent of our life, the impact of our life is just not for a very small time. But we've got to be roses where the, our scent, our impact, the things that we say affects people today, affects people tomorrow, and affects people in the generations to come. I hope you, you mothers and you ladies will accept that challenge. That you will be that kind of a mother. Because we need those kind of mothers in our world today. That live the life of Christ. That it makes no difference what the world says about us. That you are bound and determined to let God's will be your will for your life. And that light will shine now. It will shine later and it will shine forever my prayer is that your mom's light is still shining that your mom was a rose of a rose and still impacts your life I, I, Rhonda tells me 41 years later she still thinks about the impact John and May had on her life 41 years and still what a legacy and I urge you ladies that you pass that same legacy down that you want to be a rose forever and ever in your life.
Patricia. When life gets hard, when life is tough, <laughs> when your rose is crushed, <laughs> if you've lived the life that God's called you to live, and your petals of your life have been crushed, guess what? They make potpourri out of that. And your impact will last forever. As I begin the invitation time, I ask you to bow your heads and, and close your eyes. I know, I'm sure some of your thoughts will go back to your mother. That's good. But here again, I want to challenge you to be that kind of mother today in your life. If you're not that kind, I would ask God, forgive me of that. Father, give me what I need to be that kind of a mother to my children, to my grandchildren, to the people that are around me. Do business with the Lord, please, at this time. As the piano plays.